Welcome to Closer to Venus. I'm Johnny Burke. Today's guest is Deb Peretz, a karmic success coach who combines past life regression therapy, channeling, mediumship, and evolutionary astrology to help people reach their success goals faster and with less stress. Deb, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's great to be here. You have an interesting approach combining quite a few techniques in your practice. How did that evolve? Well, you know, it's funny that you ask because it seems to have just piece by piece, I've come to a point where they're all finally starting to integrate together. I actually had a long career in education, which is a fairly traditional authority-based career, but I've always been fascinated by all of these things. So at a different stage of my life, I'd be focusing on a different one. And it wasn't until fairly recently when I started realizing that, no, I'm actually here to bring all these various threads and tie them together into one offer to help people live their best lives. I can't help but notice that with these different modalities, the past life regression is a big one, the channeling, the mediumship, and shamanism even, all of them do really seem to be related. Even astral traveling, out-of-body experiences, it seems like they're just almost like branches on a tree, which kind of lead to the same source. That makes sense? It makes a lot of sense. I actually say to my clients at the end of the day, there's only two things that I do, which is really two sides of one thing. I help you align with your path because we are here. We choose to incarnate in a body for a particular reason. We have particular lessons we're here to learn. And the secret to happiness and success is to work on those lessons. So that's all, everything, whether it's channeling, past life regression, astrology, tarot, you name it. The only goal is to help someone identify the lessons that they've chosen to work on and to help them do that work. And for many people, it's, it's to actually discover what those lessons are because they may not even be aware of them. Am I right? Yes. Often in a, it's in the subconscious realm or unconscious. And what's interesting is many of my clients come to me at midlife or later and and you, they, they're delighted to discover that they've already been working on their path without realizing it. So it's like we we have these impulses towards our path, even on a subconscious basis or just following our gut, we find ourselves doing something, but not everyone does. And that's why they need the help of someone else, a coach who can help them identify. So yes, it's not like we're born knowing what it is we have to work on. Part of the journey is finding out. What do past lives have to do with astrology? everything. (laughs) The type of astrology that I practice is called evolutionary astrology. It's all based on the idea that the, the birth chart, the map of the planets when you're born at the moment of birth, that is a curriculum map for the life lessons that you've chosen to work on. So it will show you what's the past life karma that you're bringing into this life with you that you are ready to release it. But again, it's not a given. You have to do the work to release the past life karma. Likewise, you have to do the work to pursue the path of your evolutionary intent. The whole point of astrology is to help you identify the past life karma and the lessons that you're here to work on. And it gives you specific guidance in what to release, when these issues are likely going to come up for you, and what resources and tools or have you been given in this lifetime to do that work? I would imagine that person has to identify what those tools are, but also identify if they're going in an opposite direction. Does that come up a lot? 
Absolutely. That's when people are ready to pay the money to go to a coach or to seek alternative therapy when they haven't been able to do it on their own. So absolutely, the whole point they come is, you know, I need some course correction. I mean, every once in a while, I'll also get clients who are just already interested in this, and they want to continue to do the work and get there faster and more efficiently. I would say the majority come because there's something they're not getting right. They feel that they're not on their path, and they want some help to identify how to course correct. You mentioned alternative therapy, which I've heard this a few times before, where hypnotherapists that offer past life regression and even the life between lives sessions as well, use that term quite a bit. Do you find that some people come to you when they've gone to traditional therapy and they've kind of run into a wall and they just can't go any further? Yes. There's some people who are naturally interested in these topics, so they may seek someone out even if they don't have a serious issue. But a lot of times people are desperate. Conventional medicine, conventional therapy hasn't been helpful. The type of past life regression therapy that I'm trained in is a deep memory process. It's an approach that Dr. Roger Wolger developed And during that training, the stories were just amazing. The case studies of the people who had all these physical as well as emotional debilitating issues solved through this past life regression therapy. It's pretty astounding. Yes, it is, which is what regression therapy pretty much started out as. (laughs) These therapists did not count on stumbling into a past life as Dr. Brian Weiss did with his female patient. I can't remember her name. but Catherine, I believe. Catherine, yes. That's an amazing story. It really is. Now, you mentioned also the training that you had. It's a type of past life regression therapy, which is called deep memory process. Yes. It's more focused on trauma. Brian Weiss's style, which is probably the better known thanks to his books, is a more, you know, well, let's explore past lives and see what comes up. And there have been amazing stories of recovery and amazing experience. I'm a big fan of his work and his books. But Deep Memory Process is a little more focused on really the trauma that's bothering you. You're not going to go back to a life where you are this happy, wandering musician going from town to town, delighting everyone you meet. You're going for the lives that resulted in some sort of traumatic residue that's influencing your life today. So it's a lot more intense. It seems like it's a lot more targeted. So I guess if someone was to consider past life regression, they have a choice where do you want to go back and find the life when you were a Roman gladiator? Or do you want to actually address the problem you have? Past life regression cases and the studies and the the stories that a lot of us know really really are quite incredible. So when you have someone come in to your office to do therapy, do you start with the astrology first and the birth chart? Or what is the sequence of events? Because obviously, you're using more than one technique, I imagine. I'm not doing a lot of the deep memory process these days. I found my secret sauce is grounded in the astrology and the coaching. So I don't really do real regression. What I'll do is people come to me and the first step is we'll do an astrology reading of their birth chart from the karmic lens. And the first thing I'll do is look at the past life signature. And then I really use my channeling where I'll connect to the energy and with the help of the birth chart, bring in the themes of the past life 
lives that are influencing this life today. It's a gentler way for the client, you know, as opposed to this psychodrama where you're kind of like recreating these really intense feelings. So I use more of the channeling, I'll use tarot cards, but I also use these wonderful coaching techniques that come from positive psychology, everything we've, we're learning about how the brain works, as well as some of the more esoteric things. So I'll tell them, I'll say, you know, Johnny, I see in your chart, there's a strong signature. It looks like you had a past life where you were very active in the public realm in very difficult circumstances. You lived a life of sacrifice and hardship, but for an important cause you believed in. And I'll get the information and I'll share it with them. Then we'll talk about what residues of that lifetime are impacting you this time. And then once we've kind of gotten a really good picture of that, then we'll look at, okay, so what should you be focusing on this time? When you say channeling energies, is that an alternative to using the past life regression to find that energy, which I believe is a past life, isn't it? Yes. Well, everything is energy, right? The whole world, everything in it. So people use different language, different terminology, often to describe the same thing. Like I'll have uh, potential clients ask me, oh, do you read Akashic Records? The Akashic Records is a term for this universal energy field where all information, all knowledge, source, everything is. So when I'm tapping in to get guidance, am I tapping into my higher self? Yes. Am I tapping into my guides? Yes. I've got a group of guides that I work with, but I'm also tapping into the energy of the aura of the client. Am I specifically connecting with their guides, their higher self? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not so focused on the mode. I'm just focused on the stream of information that comes. I connect to my guides, to my higher self. I connect to source, and I just trust that the information that I need for the client will come to me. I'm glad to have the opportunity to say astrology can give so much information, it could be a rabbit hole. I mean, traditional astrologers, they are grappling. There is so much detail. You could give a 10-hour reading on a birth chart, looking at all these different angles and aspects, and, and that's just overwhelm for me. So I use the, the chart as a starting point, but then I'm just tapping in to get the, the rest of the direction. Does that make sense? It does. As far as the guides are concerned, guides, which you also refer to as your higher self, um, it seems to me that there are a lot of questions people have about guides and they confuse guides with angels because sometimes a guardian angel and a guide are one and the same and sometimes they're not. Can you give us an example of how you go about connecting with your guides? If you and I are in a session, you connect with your guides first and then with my guides. And how does that process go and how does it guide you in the process of the session? Yeah. Sure. I think a lot of it is, has to do with terminology and language. We have lots of different words that cover similar things. The other thing also is we have to remember that there is no single reality that's neutral. Each one of us perceive reality and it's slightly different. So my understanding and way of working and connecting will be filtered through my consciousness and my soul's energy. What one person calls an angel, another person calls a guardian angel. I don't get to a attached to names and terms. However, the soul is eternal and souls are at different stages of development and evolution. And when we're not in a body, they play different roles. Some choose to 
guide. Often our guides are loved ones. For example, my grandmother and my father are both guides for me now. But yet I also have a higher guide. His job is to really be my mentor in this work. So I've been working with him for many years. But I've also had other guides come and go. So he's on a different plane than, say, my father and my grandmother. So yeah, there are differences. I find that they have different roles, different purposes. A lot of people, they say, oh, I want to know the name of my guy. What's my guy's name? And I hate to say it, but it's anything (laughs) you want it to be, right? (laughs) I mean, I had a guide who called himself Merlin. Was he the Merlin of King Arthur legend? Probably not. But he connected to something in me that by him calling himself Merlin, it, it, it drew up, you know, an energy of my associations with the character of Merlin. I have another guide who calls himself Ra. Is he the ancient Egyptian sun god? Probably not. <laughs> but it works. <laughs> That's actually pretty cool. So maybe this is a silly question, but I'll ask anyway. How important do you think that these guides are, whether they're our loved ones or the ones on the higher plane or higher frequency? I think they're of central importance because one of the gifts of being in a body is that we have these guides for help. And if you're not aware of them or you don't ask them for help, you have to ask in order to get the help. Then you're missing out on one of the best parts of this journey. You're not meant to go through it alone. There are beings that love you and are there to help you, but you need to recognize that they're there and ask for the help in order to benefit. Agreed. And it's something I've heard over and over again from several people. Do you find that when you have clients that have questions about guides, for instance, I don't know the name of my guide. They don't come to me in my meditation. Why is this not happening? Do you find that some people do get frustrated? Absolutely. In fact, I was one of those people, <laughs> especially at the beginning of this work. You know, we, we tend to see things, want things very concretely. We want these single-sided answers. We want to see what the guide looks like. We want to know their name. We want to hear the words very clearly. And it doesn't always work that way. So sometimes we're not ready for it. We may say, we want to connect and know our guides, but we've got all these limiting beliefs that are actually in the way. So a good coach will help you tease out what are the limiting beliefs that are preventing you from having clearer communication with your guides. And then there's a lot of great activities, exercises that you can do, but you need patience and an open-minded way of accepting what your guide's going to show up as. It's the same thing with psychic abilities. Some people see, some people hear, some people can do both, some people have to touch. Right. And you have to let it show up the way it's going to show up. Yes, you can practice to to get the other modalities to be stronger, but certainly in the beginning, you have to just kind of be open to letting it come as it will and working from there. It's a good point about trying to meet your guides, trying to find out who they are, asking for help. Now, going back to the birth chart, how does the birth chart give me specific details about my past lives? Well, for starters, in one sense, the whole birth chart, everything in it is details about your past life. Stephen Forrest likes to call it the chart behind the chart. But specifically, it's the nodes of the moon that we focus in on first, because the south node of the moon is the most direct point to give you information about your past life. And the north node of the moon represents your evolutionary intent for this lifetime. So what you're supposed to work on this lifetime. So by taking a look at where the nodes are, what sign they're in, what houses they're in, what sign and houses the ruler of each node's sign is in, and then looking at all the aspects that it makes with other elements of your chart, you can actually get a 
pretty rich story, but it all starts with the the nodes of the moon. When we talk about karma, I think it's one concept that is often misunderstood. How does our past life karma affect us in this lifetime? And also, how do we identify that using the birth charts and the other tools that you have at your disposal? Yeah, that's a great question because I find that karma is misunderstood a lot of times. I remember seeing decades ago Deepak Chopra talking about how karma really means choice or something like that. But karma, the way I use it in my work, the common misconception is, you know, if you stole in your previous lifetime, someone's going to steal from you this lifetime, like a tit for tat payback thing. And that's not really what it is. It's the opposite. For example, if you've had many past lives where people close to you betrayed you, then you're going to go through this life expecting people close to you to betray you. So it's kind of like priming the pump for certain behaviors and expectations as in habits. And because we're talking about karma, we're talking about bad habits. So that's probably the number one way. The first thing that I'll focus on is with your birth chart, it's very likely that you are going through this life with a lot of suspicion of people close to you, at home, family members, and this is karma that you're here to release and to work on, to let go of. So just knowing that is powerful right? Because if you're that kind of person who spent your life feeling suspicious of people that you're in relationships with, and you don't know whether it's because it's your inner sense saying, oh, they're going to betray you. You don't know whether you're just kind of losing it. You're just a suspicious type. But when all of a sudden you realize there's a reason for it, and you know what to look out for, that can be very liberating. And it literally can change people's lives. So that's that's the first one is it points at bad habits that are based on the karma. The other one, and it's kind of related to it, is that traps to avoid. If you know that you have a tendency to be a know-it-all based on your past life signature, you are very sure of your, what you knew and you had a very closed mind because you were very set in your ways, then you know to look out for that this time around. Maybe make an extra effort to be open-minded and to seek alternate perspectives before you draw a conclusion. And then the third way is that it also gives us strengths. Like if we had many lives where we were a doctor or some sort of healer in many lives, we're probably coming into this lifetime with a lot of wisdom around health and well-being. That does seem to make more sense because I'm not sure about the tit-for-tat model as you mentioned, but take someone who consistently lives bad lives, cheats, steals, unethical, no moral compass over and over again. So they escape punishment from that? Or is it just the fact that they keep living the same lives over and over again, almost like uh, a form of penance until they realize that they need to work on themselves and become better people? Yeah, it's kind of that they just have to keep coming back to school, repeating the same lessons over and over them until they get it right. Cherie Carter Scott has this great book where she has the 10 rules for being human. And one of them is lessons will be repeated until learned. And that's really the case. If you keep making bad choices, and you keep choosing to do hurtful things, you're just going to keep coming up with situations designed to help you learn these lessons again and again and again and again until you do. How many lifetimes will it take? Who knows? Usually it does take several lifetimes to learn some key lessons. 
but we always have free will. I think that's the, the key thing. We have our karma and we have our evolutionary intent, but we have free will to completely ignore our lessons and to just kind of avoid them. But they will be repeated. It seems like they will. And when someone comes to you and discovers what their past life tendencies or behavior was, then that makes it much more, I would think, evident that well, if I have free will, I know that I can choose not to make the same mistake, then I can release the karma. Yes, absolutely. When you choose to stop repeating the negative pattern of behavior, that is one way of releasing. And at the same time, going out of your comfort zone toward the north node behavior or evolutionary intent, that will lead you also towards leaving behind the past life karma. I think a common case of, of someone who keeps making the same mistake is someone that might feel like they're a victim. Then, of course, Edgar Casey himself did once say, there are no victims. Can you give us an example, someone that comes to you with a specific concern, or maybe they're already interested in all these things, and they go through a process, and by the time the therapy is over, perhaps their goals are realized, or maybe they weren't. I'll give one example. I had someone come to me, and she was pretty much in crisis, and, and she did acknowledge that she was in a bad state. She was in a very toxic work environment, and she knew it, but she wasn't ready to leave it. And she was committed to it even. I knew from early on, she is repeating past life patterns by staying in this toxic work environment. Now the truth is, sometimes the past life karma, even when it's negative, it, because it's familiar, it can be comforting in that weird way. So even though it was toxic and damaging to her, it was familiar to her on a karmic level. As a coach, I can't come out and say, you've got to quit your job, right? She has to come <laughs> up with this decision herself. <laughs> but we would work with the coaching. You know, I remember distinctly when we had the call and she said, you know, Deb, I don't know what it was. You're not going to believe this, but I quit. I can't believe it. I did it. I gave in my notice and... She was so surprised at herself for having done this, right? And then since then, we've stayed in touch even after the initial coaching passed. She's now focused on her evolutionary intent, and she's on her journey and broken free from this toxic work pattern. And now she knows what to look out for. In a typical case like this, can this be done in one session, or is it more of like an ongoing thing. I personally don't think these are one session things. I know sometimes hypnotherapists and some past life regression therapists, they'll have great stories about these one and done sessions. That hasn't been my experience, both on the receiving end of hypnotherapy and past life regression. I think that real change takes time. With the work that I do, we're talking about inner discovery, exposing limiting beliefs. And usually these limiting beliefs are based on past life karma and then releasing them. If you've had 10 lifetimes dealing with this karma, it's unlikely that in one session you're going to release it, right? So it doesn't work. And for that reason, with my one-on-one -on -one coaching clients, that I insist that they start with a 12-session package. I feel like that's a good basis to do the fundamental work. And there's also, depending on the individual, there's also shadow work to do. So it's a real inner journey, but it's powerful and transformative. I'm not saying that there aren't other modalities that can do certain things in a one-off, but the kind of work of aligning with your life's purpose is not a one-and-done type of thing. It does sound like that. When you use the term align with your life's purpose, it's something I've heard from practitioners from 
many different modalities, even Akashic Records readers, because as we mentioned at the top of the episode, that all these things are related. So if someone wanted to learn more about astrology, I know there's tons of books on Amazon, but what are some of your top picks if somebody wants to really get at the core of what all this means? Absolutely, I recommend Stephen Forrest's work. His style of evolutionary astrology is most closely aligned with what I do. So my number one recommendation for anyone who wants to learn more is to read his book, The Inner Sky, where he really presents evolutionary astrology and covers. It's a great, excellent overview. If someone has read that and wants more, I recommend going on to his book, Yesterday's Sky, which is where he really goes deep into the past life and karmic elements of evolutionary astrology. Now, do you think by reading these types of books, would that make someone a little bit better prepared for some of your sessions? No, not necessarily. My clients, even a majority of them, don't know anything about astrology. They don't need to, so long as I know. (laughs) (laughs) I'll use a lot of the terminology sometimes, and I'll just say, this is more an organizational tool for me. You can ignore it, but I meet people where they are, the teacher in me. Wherever they are, I'll bring it to them, and it will work. They don't need to learn astrology to get the powerful results. It's really the coaching anyway. That's the end of the day. And you were a teacher before you did this, right? Yes. So do you think that background was obviously a good influence in how it's it's affected your coaching style now? I would think. Absolutely. I just consider it like a different shifting into a different lane of teaching. But if you want to hear a funny story about, you know, past life karma. Always. (laughs) (laughs) So these patterns that we have that we bring in from our past lives are so strong and pervasive, it can be hard to break out of them. And usually our karmic intent that we're supposed to be here working towards is outside our comfort zone. So I went into teaching. It was something that was always easy for me. I started off in K-12 teaching, and then when I completed my doctorate, I went into higher ed teaching. And I loved it. It was really my dream job. Ever since I was little, I wanted to be a tenured faculty member somewhere, right? And I loved everything about it. But my entire life, I've had this passion for tarot, astrology, past lives, and psychic development. That was a big part of me, but it was kind of shut into the closet. It wasn't until midlife when I got back into astrology, re-looking at my chart again through the wisdom of age. And I'm realizing that I was just continuing my past life karma. Teaching was my past life strength that I brought into this world, but it wasn't what I was here to do. I was here to work on more mystical, spiritual types of teaching. And it's right there in my chart as plain as day. And I must have seen it a million times throughout my adult life, but it really didn't hit me until midlife that I was on the wrong path, that I was taking the easy way out, staying in my comfort zone of teaching because I didn't want to come, as I say, out of the woo-woo closet and say, yeah, I do all this weird stuff, but that's really what I'm here to do. So it's it's kind of funny that now I help people not make the mistake I made. <laughs> Speaking of coming out of the woo-woo closet, I can appreciate the description, but what you do with the past life regression and channeling and the evolutionary astrology really I don't think that really is in the woo-woo realm because you get results and it's tangible. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the woo-woo thing to me seems to be more people and their opinions, whereas the practitioners, the researchers, the people that use direct experience 
It's like anything but. Well, I'm definitely with you on that. I actually think that's why I try to stay away from terms like the occult and supernatural. I think there's absolutely nothing mysterious about this. I think this work is actually as natural and a part of our senses and the way our brain works. I think much of the psychic channeling and that kind of work resides in the right side of the right hemisphere of the brain. I think there's good evidence for it. So yeah, I agree with you that it's very natural and tangible with tangible benefits. The problem is that we are up against an establishment that for literally millennia has been focused on limiting our reach, our knowledge, even the cult of science. And I've got a PhD. I come from the world of research. I know what empirical research is, and I know the value of science, but there are things that empirical methods can't measure. I could actually go on a soapbox on this, but you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson, right? The astrophysicist, I love what he does for astronomy and for space and science. And yet, for some reason, he thinks that because he's an astronomer or an astrophysicist, that that gives him knowledge of astrology. So he's always mocking astrology and putting it down. And I don't understand. This isn't your field. You know nothing about it. What is it? that makes you feel qualified to render an opinion about something out of your field. You brought up some really good points describing your work as natural because I remember talking to somebody actually very recently. We were talking about star beings and astral travel and all this really cool stuff. But one of the anecdotes that came up during that discussion was one day there are these star beings and they thought they wanted to take a really cool vacation and go to Earth and find because it was a densest planet available and they came here and they forgot all their abilities the intuition the empathic abilities and so on those are all natural in our natural spiritual state we have those we had a laugh about it but i thought well actually kind of makes sense speaking of funny past life stories and this isn't mine but it's worth repeating i think it was the long island medium Teresa Caputo, and she was talking about past lives, and she said, Life is like an episode of Saturday Night Live. The cast is always the same, but they always change their outfits for all the different skits, and at the end of the night, they all hug each other. I thought, that's <laughs> that's actually pretty clever. I love it. Actually, a pretty fair description. I haven't heard that before. It kind of reminds me of something... I think it's Stephen Forrest says, I, I hope I'm not attributing this to the wrong person. With astrology, it's like the planets are actors on a stage and the signs of the zodiac are the characters they play. So you'll get the planet playing a character, playing a sign, and then the house of the birth chart represents the setting of the stage. That makes sense too. A lot of things that we don't really understand is that when we talk about the kind of work that you do and then the opposite side of the stage, we have science. I think at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is bridge the gap between science and spirituality. That's what it seems like to me. What do you yeah. think? I think a lot of people are doing some great work in that field. Lynn McTaggart, I believe, with her intention experiment has been doing great things. Dawson Church presents some of the research behind EFT. So I think there are people who are helping to bridge the gap and they're doing wonderful work. However, I think we have to remember that there are going to be some things that we are not going to be able to answer with empirical science. It's the same thing in education. We can't look inside the brain of a child as they're learning, even though we do have the uh, functional MRIs now. But there are not everything will be measurable in the empirical sense. 
Some of it will be, and that's great, and I support that. But we have to have the open mind. Absolutely. I think the importance of this kind of work is going to grow even more, and hopefully it will reach critical mass where people take it a little bit more seriously and, and see the value. Deb, thanks so much for joining us today. Really great information. How can our listeners find you online? Thanks for having me. This is really wonderful. People who are interested in learning more can go to my website, debperetz.com. And if anyone wants to get a birth chart reading, a karmic overview of their chart, there's a link there on my website. I'm launching a podcast of my own. Check it out. It will be on YouTube called Planets and Profit, Business Astrology for the Entrepreneur. You've been listening to Closer to Venus. I'm Johnny Burke. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing. If you really liked it, you can leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.